Hello there and welcome to the Bowden Beat, the podcast on all things Ballyboden St. Enders. My name is Derek Ryan and we're delighted to be joined on this episode by the new Ballyboden St. Enders Games Promotion Officer, Sean Oakboys. Sean, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Bill, for having me. Not at all. I say new in the role, Sean Og. You're here. You're with the uh, in the role in the GPO for about the last six months or so at this stage. So you're not really new to it at this stage. <laughs> How are you getting on so far? I'm loving it. Uh, so yeah, as you said, six months in. Um, nice change. I was doing something similar before, and it's just nice to kind of step up and have more more responsibility with lots of different. Uh, challenges within that but loving it yeah great good stuff yeah we'll talk about the the role uh, in more detail in, in a little bit but um i guess first of all tell us about your own role in terms of coaching and how, how you kind of became became a, a coach and uh what you've done so far i mean I know you were with clonagall before you came to ballyboden i was indeed but like just a lot of people won't really know as you said um what the gpo role is so my remits really are the coordination of the academy which is now the Bowden Oak and the coordination of summer camps I need a lot of help with that mm-hmm. and the uh, schools coaching program which I've got a little bit of help with now but gonna look for an expansion of that help uh, from club members as well but just re- with regards to how I got into coaching um, obviously like most TYs here which is great to see uh, what helped in St. Anne's and a little bit controversial but um, yeah I would have helped as a coach with summer camps and the uh, their version of the academy um, and then I went on and did a, a sports degree and uh, began as a GPO in Clonagale doing something very similar with maybe smaller numbers but good to have a, a bigger opportunity now. Yeah, and this role came up then obviously six or seven months ago and you decided to, to make the move over you are an Anne's man you just mentioned it there I wasn't sure if we're going to bring this up or not uh, so you're obviously from nearby as well which which is a big help I'm sure a bit of a draw in terms of even coming back this side of the city uh, if when this role came up yeah well like I obviously loved my my time in Clonagale it was a really good uh, stepping stone for me um, I was working in a warehouse before that so it was that was a step in the right direction but it is nice um currently living in Tala uh Cushlon. so if going to like the schools here it's a 10 15 minute drive in the morning which is nice and i don't arrive flustered to the classes and i've i've got i'm more motivated to to keep a, a happy a happy environment within the classes yeah, yeah good stuff um I've been talking to a few people over the past few weeks that uh, you know we're, we're going to be having the chat, and pretty much everybody said talk to him about his move to the Aran Islands, and uh, everybody has been telling me to ask him about ask you about that because it's kind of everybody knows that about you. So tell us about you moved to the Aran Islands um, to to go to school in first year. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I obviously I attended a Gael school in uh, not far from Kilnarden in Knockmore, a uh, school Cotley Maud. And the principal of that school, she kind of changed the direction of my life a little bit. Uh, she was from Inishmore, so she I was getting ready to go to secondary school in Tala in the Gael School, and she asked me kind of last minute if I'd be interested in a scholarship on the Aran Islands. And my mom kind of said, "Yeah, we make a decision on Monday." Left the principal's office, and I think my mom actually made the decision there <laughs> without telling me that I was going. Um, but basically, yeah. It, Big difference between Tala and uh, Inishman. So the least, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So I like the first two weeks were probably the the darkest days of my life. Like in a way, like uh, the hand. My, it was like my mom was handing me over to a new family. 
uh, first time I ever saw my mum cry, which I was like, oh, something not right here. And uh, I'll never forget my, my father and she, who was now like a, 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 they're like a second family to me. He always says to me that you go home every second weekend. When I left for the first time, I had a big, I don't know why I had a pink suitcase, but that was <laughs> that was just what was handed down to me. I had my 20 kg suitcase. Uh, I was bringing that home to Tala for basically one day. And he was like, you know, you can leave your your washing and stuff here and whatever you don't need over the weekend. And I was like, no, I'll just bring it in case. And he says, I never thought I'd see it uh, after that day. And once I came back on the Sunday, it was like being at home again. It was it was like just brilliant. Um, like the summers, the summers, the scenery is just unreal. You go and just look at the the ocean. Um, and I was living in a in a B and B. The far the far and Chi, they ran a B and B. So I was a bit of a kitchen porter for five years. <laughs> but um, they like in their dining room, your your all the houses are in the middle of the island on top of the hill. So you're overlooking the sea between Inishman and Inishmore, and it's just the most beautiful setting you'll ever see. And then in the winter, like it was kind of mind boggling to me because we're we're not far from the ocean here, but when you see the waves crashing onto the the cliffs on the islands like you see boulders the size of houses and you're like how, how'd that get on top of this hundred foot cliff and the the sea brought it there but yeah. it's just a completely different mode. i never would have saw anything like that in tala um yeah it's second home and i don't get down enough i'd love to get back down as much as possible yeah, yeah. and you stayed with the same family then for the, for the you were sitting there six years is that right five five, five years five. yeah so forced forced to fifth year and as I said the first two weeks I was I was always the youngest in my in my class so I was 11 for the first week of secondary school and um just it would after the first two weeks it was like being it was like they were my family um the I, I literally learned I, I had gone to school and uh, in a Gwale school for eight years but I had all the vocabulary but then the principal was talking to me, trying to see how I was getting on as a newcomer to the island. And it's like a competition. Everybody's with their CHs, it's like they're trying to cough up phlegm. And I didn't I didn't understand what was going on. But thankfully, my and Chi, as an islander, he kind of, he has the same dialect. But he could see that I was struggling to comprehend what was going on. And he would, uh, he would dumb down his Irish, basically, for me. <laughs> and the way I picked up the Snoss and the Hill on was by doing the dishes with Porrick. Um, so I was literally doing the dishes here and just chatting away. And then I was like a sponge, just so interested, as always, in the Irish language, but in this dialect, just hearing them speak. So I wanted to pick that up as much as possible. And then I was the one doing the, the CHs <laughs> and the... Like, it just... Yeah, it was it was a funny transition. I didn't notice it happening, but the principal always said it to me, that it was like I was adopted to, by the island. Like, yeah, it was... Yeah. fantastic yeah and at the same time i'm sure like so you you said there you know the first you didn't you didn't want to go at the very start you, this is the worst thing in the world and by the end you were there after five so heading into six years when you came back to to home back to dublin back to tala that was probably a bit of a mind-boggling as well to kind of come back down to where, where, where you were before yeah so like came home then and i actually i was really happy with my leave insert i i didn't expect to do well in all the subjects that i did but with the there's only 19 in the school the first year is there the amount of one-on-one contact you get with teachers so much help um so i thankfully got enough points to go to dcu and study uh sports science and i was never going to study anything other than sports it was just 
the way it was. Uh, I actually, there was a bit of a lack of opportunity to play uh, Gaelic football on the island. There was no hurling that side of Galway, but um, I was always interested in football. Uh, I played one game for the Iron Ireland team, and then I, it was kind of a toss. I had to register for them or give up bands, and like it was, I couldn't do it, unfortunately. <laughs> so I alternatively uh, started running, road running, and uh, we accidentally, I think we set up a, a running club on the island. So the first night there was tri- three of us, my roommate, and the only other person, the only other boy in my year. We went running with Porrick in the van behind us just for the light because there's only one lamppost every kilometre. And now, as a result of that, I, I think Porrick has every every student in the school out running on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Every, so, like, six years down the line, there's, a, there's an organisation down there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so then moved into so into DCU as a 17-year-old for the first year. Didn't get to do the, the mad nights out. <laughs> but that obviously came eventually. Uh, I it was really good for three years. I was so interested in everything. A little bit overwhelmed as well because, as I said, really young, and I think I felt like I was being fast tracked through college and stuff as a seventeen-year-old, eighteen and second year, um, and also it seemed like all of the other twenty and twenty-one-year-olds who were in the same year as me, really good friends, but they kind of knew what they wanted to do. A lot of people use a sports science degree as a stepping stone to a master's or a, f- a physio degree, which is great, but I didn't have the the foresight. I, I wasn't looking far ahead. I was just happy and I wanted to get my passes. Yeah. Um, so I got to fourth year and I got a really good title for my thesis, did my thesis and then COVID hit. Uh, so my my funnily enough my thesis uh, the title was very relevant to what I'm doing now it was uh, the three psychological needs how they foster intrinsic motivation in PE for ki- primary school kids okay, obviously okay. I'm doing, I'm coaching a lot of primary school kids which is great but um, once COVID hit we weren't allowed to leave the house like everybody else we all struggled in different ways but the way I struggled was ironically I had no motivation to, to research about motivation and <laughs> finish with his so like a lot of things left it to the last two weeks yeah. got my pass and then as I mentioned the country was kind of shut down so I went back to my uh, job that I did between semesters in a warehouse um, loved the people there but it was very monotonous and it same t- there was no challenge it was you're picking the same orders every day and it I I was always afraid that if if I was there two years later, there was no progression in my life, and that that was a scary thing for me. So when Clonagall came along, I was just so happy that I was taking a step towards something got to do with sport and dealing with dealing with kids as well. Yeah. Towards what you wanted to do, yeah. Um, you obviously you mentioned it there, and obviously you you said you were in a Gael school in Tala. You obviously went to the Iron Island. Irish is obviously a major part of your life, and it's obviously. A major part of the GAA as well so kind of uh, it being here and, and obviously the people like Shamie O'Neill in the club here trying to continue to grow the, the Irish language as well something you're obviously very passionate about 100% yeah like it is a huge part of, of our um, national identity um, and also when I left the island going to DCU there were there, were, there was Irish uh, committees but I was just so tired with the the two-hour bus journey to DCU and two-hour journey back that I wasn't too involved. So I didn't really speak a whole lot of Irish after leaving the island until 
uh, Clonagale. I spoke at once a week in a, in a brand new Gael school. There was only six uh, junior infant kids. So I, ha- I really had to speak Irish to them, which was great. But they didn't yet have the Irish. But the funny thing was they could understand, but they couldn't really speak it. So they would answer back. And that was funny. <laughs> and then the only other chance that I had to speak Irish was actually with... Uh, another Ballyboden footballer and at the time I wasn't working here so we he would always be slagging hands and, and now I, I never slagged Ballyboden <laughs> so uh, but like uh, yeah. you have to check those WhatsApp yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> but like we'd go up and we're both fairly local so we'd go up to the Merry Plowboy and just the scenery is unreal and then he'd start speaking Irish and like that was the only outlet I really had and now I'm in Ballyboden, like the presence here is unreal. We just had a pop up Gael talk last night and announced our new Bowden Oak name. Um, fantastic, full bar full of Gael Gory, and it, there might have been a few people there by accident, but they still had their Cooper Fuckle, which is great. Um, yeah, just to be able to speak it was, is like with Shamey, uh, huge job doing with uh, the organisation for last night, and then. Being able to uh, report to Paddy O'Neill, like a fantastic operator, and go, he gives us great feedback and ideas. And then anytime I I report to Paddy, it's always through Irish, which which I love. Um, and yeah, just part the, the presence here is unreal. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, so you we mentioned already the role, uh, the the GPRO, and you said earlier on yourself that a lot of people don't not really know what it entails, what the actual day to day role is so uh I, I we were here last weekend uh, for a birthday party and i saw you at that it's kind of probably not a five day a week job it's probably a lot more than that uh, so tell us about the role itself kind of the day-to-day running of the job yeah so like throughout the week it would normally be coaching in schools um but i think we it, it has to be a targeted approach with the schools. so i, I don't it is great be, being able to deliver uh, classes every week uh, to to as many schools as possible but it's all, I think one um one project for me going forward and it's been mentioned as I said Paddy he gives me great great feedback on this stuff but um a targeted approach by activating teachers so co- um like we would coach education uh, teacher education as well with regards to GAA and physical activity and just coaching in general um putting a bit more responsibility onto them so we're not as as a uh, uh, spread to too thin and then um yeah so schools it's it's great fun but we've we have 10 schools so i have four days uh within the week and then i have the saturday with the bowden oak so it's hard to get to everybody thankfully i have a lot of help um party as i mentioned he volunteered to go into the Gwale school and he did a great job there now i'll go in after after christmas uh paul waters just He's absolutely loving life down in Ballyroan, and the boys, I, I, I've heard great feedback from them, and he's having great fun. Then we've Porrick Doyle, who was really involved in Bowden Oak. He's um, in Loretto in the girls' school doing uh, camogie and football, which is great to see. And then Gemma Hayes is also helping me. But I'm looking for a few more helpers okay. like that, so uh, third-level students who who haven't got a really hectic timetable. Um, that's what we're, we're trying to target to help with the schools program coaching that's uh, people who are doing maybe sports science or something along those lines as well well they don't have like i believe 
Gemma, she definitely told me what she's doing, but I, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Now, Paul, uh, but she, I don't think she's doing sports science or anything. But it doesn't matter. Like Gemma would have uh, been a camp, a summer camp coordinator. So, like people like that, they've a huge experience over the years, um, and we wouldn't be throwing them in the deep end. I would be going in with them, and they would shadow me, and then uh, I would shadow them, and just so everybody's feeling confident. Um, and Park Doyle obviously is a PE teacher, which is fantastic. So more people we have we like the club is a huge place. We have lots of people like that. So yeah, we're that's what we're looking for. Really, it doesn't have to be a sports science degree. Yeah. Um, even from the point of view of you mentioned they're going into the schools and uh, you know obviously coaching coaching the kids. You, you mentioned COVID already and how you couldn't even look at a school for for a year because you know everyone was terrified of what, what was going to happen. Um, how much do you enjoy going into the schools and kind of you know engaging with the kids and and seeing them improve over over? I know you're only in this role for six months, but like you know seeing them improve day by day or week by week and you know get a love for uh, for for the game, I guess. Yeah, well, like as as I said, like it's it's a really re- rewarding thing, and that it, that's just priceless seeing that progression. Um, also, like you see, like it's great to see the different. Like we always talk about mixed abilities, but the different personalities within classes like you the any kids who play for Ballyboden or they play for the clubs around us like they're so confident when they go in there and then the first week with, with the kids that aren't as uh, active uh, physically they they're a little bit shy and then you kind of you just make make it clear and obvious that we're like we're going to make it as simple as possible for everybody and they just jo- once they join in it's fun to see like they're we're doing football in Horland and Camogie. It's just they're really starting at the, at the, with the basics, and then after two or three weeks, they're it's it's like they're natural. It's just natural to them. So like the, you can't put a price on on seeing that progression. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, we spoke with Timmy Hammersley uh, a few weeks ago as well. So tell us about your your work with Timmy and how you kind of work together uh, in the, in the roles. Yeah, yeah. We as as Timmy said, we have got a great uh, work relationship. Uh, he said that by the way when you walked in here so I, di- I didn't believe him whatsoever I think I walked in and then I walked out and he said it <laughs> but uh, now we have um, Timmy's great like w- when I was in Clonagall I, I would have been uh, coaching and I had somebody w- working with me as well she was fantastic but also one thing that I, I really like that I'm doing now is uh, coaching football in the schools for a couple of weeks and then coaching Hurling and Camogie uh, with COVID and stuff, we, when I was in Clonagall, we were a bit afraid of the helmets. But now, I would have been more football. So the fact that Timmy has kind of made it clear that as a club, we're we're uh, four codes. So like, it's it's fantastic that we're pushing in all directions and trying to include everybody. And um, yeah, t- like during the summer, we would have had a lot more engagement, in, like in the office. Uh, just bouncing ideas off each other, and I think because we have a good relationship, we're we're not afraid to question each, each other. Like, and he'll, uh, he, Timmy's a good experience in my role as well. So he will, if I'm kind of un- uncertain about anything, he'll give me direction and he'll just question why I'm doing what I'm doing. He won't he won't ask me or tell me that it's wrong. He'll just ask, is there a different way you can do it? Which is great to have someone like that, and uh, like that uh, party is also great at that as well. Yeah, yeah. Great to have the two of you here, and obviously, uh, I think I mentioned to Timmy uh, the last time as well. He talked a lot about the club maybe expanding 
just the area expanding and you mentioned you've got 10 schools and you know we obviously know the size of a lot of the schools in the area and and, and the fact that they've been growing so much over the past uh, 10 or 20 years and still growing at the moment as well so do you see the role your role i guess expanding and changing over the next while obviously we hope you're here for a long time and you know do you see the role changing over the next while as the area and as the club continues to expand yeah i think like there's no 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 doubt about it that the place is expanding so we need to deal with that extra demand um as i mentioned before with the help from the third level students like if we have 10 schools like we want to be hitting 10 schools um uh, regularly so obviously we with regards to my role, I'd be trying to expand the school's coaching program by recruiting more coaches. And then, like we would, like, we, like we've been, myself and Timmy, and Timmy's been leading uh, with the coach education the last few weeks, so just good practice. And, um, we, we sh- I think we sh- should be heading towards doing that with teachers as well because we want to give them as much resources and improve our our club relationship with the schools as much as possible because that's how we we will get more recruitment and I I'm not worried about the level of recruitment like I know we'll mention uh, Bowden Oak in a minute but our numbers are are okay but we want to we want to keep the numbers that we have and with better coaching we should tackle that dropout rate that every every club in the GEA struggles with. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the, the the questions as well. It's about being, you know, success is brilliant and winning county championships and all that is, is fantastic. But I guess a, a big barometer of uh, where a club is is in terms of yeah keeping keeping uh, members at, in the club, members who mightn't be playing for the senior A's or whatever it might be. They might there's a role for everybody, I guess, in the club, and that's part, part probably one of your jobs as well as a GPO is to uh, you know bring members in who might necessarily be the star player who are going to play corner forward for Ballyboden A team, but they'll still obviously be a, a big part of the club going forward. Yeah, well, like in, in the Bowden Oak, we have 461 players. So how many of them are going to play for the, the senior footballers or the senior hurlers? I would like to see a good few, but with the other guys, like you could have your next chairman in there or chairwoman. Um, we also... like. What, the club is a huge place but in that as well it can be a lonely place so one thing that we're actually kind of active on it now in the next week is a c- community of practice so really kind of uh, bringing the place together I like it is we need we need to be able to lean on each other on each other because if we think of any time we get a group of coaches in a room together the amount of coaching hours experience are there but if you if you don't talk to anyone, it's you've only got your own experience. So we need to be leaning on each other more. Um, and as for as for the, I think one thing that would be great is you look at the senior A's, or any senior team here, and you see them winning, see the smiles on their face. If you see, look at any of the junior teams, like if they if they win a big game, it's it's the same emotions you're feeling. So we need to kind of make that clear to our 18, 19 year olds. If you're not not getting time, game time with the the A teams, and then you're kind of thinking, well, I don't really want to play adult football or adult hurling. The, like there is a community and a strong environment in a junior team as well. So I think we ne- really need to promote all of our teams within the club, not just, uh, not just there. We need to get every team together. Yeah, yeah. I think as well. There's- 
I'm sure you'll agree there's, there's a role for everybody in the club somebody who mightn't be and I'm pointing at myself here mightn't be the most talented hurler in, in the history of the world but yeah yeah but there's a role for everybody I guess in the club no matter there's some sort of role and I'm sure that if you, if you wanted to come down and, and be a part of the club there's, there's something there for you whatever wherever it might be yeah like you, you forget the, the amount of facilities and resources we have but like I was speaking to um, a coach from the Bowden Oak last night and she mentioned the uh, ga Ga for mothers and others and she just couldn't speak highly highly enough of it um, she just uh, if you can't make training who cares It's everybody has busy lives um, but she just mentioned it, the, the amount of fun that it is to, to speak to people you have some really good players um that would have played for the for Ballyboden a couple of years ago, but like just bringing those people together and really showing off what we what we have here at Ballyboden, it's it's easy to forget the the facilities that we have. Like, um, you mentioned already the one club model, and uh, I guess how important that is, especially at a club that is Ballyboden. But it seems to be it's nearly. Um, ingrained in the club at this stage it's not something you even think about it seems to be just that's that's the way it's one club it's it's the football uh, men's football ladies football camogie and hurling and that's the way it is at the club and yeah it's it kind of it's refreshing for me to see that as somebody who would have been an outsider not so long ago because like that club cohesion you can see that it is there but it, there's so many people that it, it's it's hard to fill gaps but like for like the hurlers and the footballers there's really a good relationship between them but like even for myself my own experience I picked up a hurl last time uh, for the first time last year to, uh, to play hurling and Division 10 hurling like it's it's the best thing in the world to us like we, we just love it Um, but like we didn't have the chance to do that when we were uh, 7, 8, 9, 10 so the fact that you have a really strong bond between your your hurling club and your football club, and it's all one club. And it's just it's great to see. Yeah, it's really refreshing. Yeah, and even in schools, from a point of view of going in, and obviously you're coaching the kids in schools uh, and you know the pupils who are maybe coming in then to become members of Body Bowden St Enders. Do you see it's a fifty fifty split? Is is that the way you, you see it uh, for the most part? Um, in terms and girls and boys oh yes yes so our numbers between the girls and boys I can I can only speak from the boat and oak because that's yeah. what I can see um, there's not a huge difference like we've I believe we've 127 uh, 20, 2015 boys and we have 102 maybe uh, girls so I know there is a difference there but we, we're still like 102 girls for one age group is a lot of clubs can't boast that Um Obviously, just need to, um, while we have our presence in the schools, really identify where the gaps are and then just push on that. Like the amount of, uh, of some soccer soccer uh, coaches might be happy, but in the schools, we, we have a really good uh, Ballyboden presence, but there's also a good soccer, soccer presence as well, which is great to see because all of the evidence shows that the more you dip into different sports, the better the athletic development, the better they develop. So, like, I would never say to a child that is predominantly a soccer player, oh, sure, come and play with us and forget about that. Just say, I, I would say, come and play with us and that might help your soccer as well. Because you see them playing GAA and if they're competent at soccer, they're going to be really competent 
with with GA as well, and they they still love it because they're getting out of class. So yeah. it's easy it's easy for me to to motivate them. It's an easy way to get. Yeah. It is it is yeah, but it's 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 funny. Uh, they are they're always a little bit reluctant because they think you're trying to you're trying <laughs> to control them and pull them away from what they love. But you're really just trying to get them to do different things lots of different things which actually helps them in the long run yeah and they can make the decision again later on in, in life uh, you've mentioned Bodenog a few times now the launch was this week I believe so um, yeah tell me about what Bodenog is I guess yeah yeah so we we haven't uprooted anything like it's it is essentially the academy as of as of old but uh, we just think like I, and I, I'm, I'm strong in this mindset that the move from nursery to academy was definitely uh, required so because you hear you hear nursery and sure uh, we leave the kids there for an hour or an hour and a half until they're finished and then come back and then when we went went to academy that was kind of gone away but with regards to academy like it has been mentioned we're not training gladiators we're not training elite athletes we're just I think Bodenog is a good representation of what we're trying to do which is we're trying to have fun we are trying to uh, develop fundamental movement skills because they're still learning to use their body. They're learning to be masters of movement. Um, and also we're trying to uh, promote our Gaelic games, our uh, Gaelic football and hurling and camogie. So it's it's funny to see the differences between the 2016s and 2015s because there, although it's only a year, it's it, there is develop the kids grow so quickly and like it's it's hard for a child like if you if you're only learning to run how are you supposed to solo while you're running you know so you have to cater for every age group and that's that's difficult as well because you've only so many coaches so much space so um you just need to need to plan as much as the more coaches you have the more the easier your session runs because the more eyes and ears you have um, and it's just teamwork within Bowden Oak like we have coaches uh that have never met each other at, at September and then now in December they're looking for nights out and stuff so so it's it's actually an outlet for the coaches as well people some people some parents might not re- realize that um so like we're always looking for to recruit coaches that's just a given but you, to see the kids develop and then the coaches really create a bond with each other is is a good good reward as well yeah and from that point of view, finally, if you have a child who wants to become a member of Ballybones and Enders and join the uh, join join Oak, or if you are uh, an adult and you want to take up coaching, or at least see what what it entails, and might be something you might be interested in, how do people go about that? Yeah, so normally it would the recruitment would take place while we're uh, registering kids for it in September. So uh, on clubs app this year, it has been. Uh, you would just simply tick tick a box. I ha- I have an interest in helping out with uh, the twenty sixteen group or whatever. But um, like if, if that might sound a little bit vague, we don't expect everybody to be running sessions by their, by themselves. Like the more numbers we get, the more observers we can have. The more uh, co- you can just get somebody doing simply putting out cones. And if somebody's a really competent coach, they won't want to do that. But if somebody has never stepped onto a Gaelic football field before, that could be, it's not a challenging task, but it, there's a sense of inclusiveness there as well. So all they have to do is to tick that box and they contact me and explain 
what you're comfortable doing and what you are open to uh, being trained as and we always upskill our coaches as well it's a requirement of the GAA so um, the, one, once you join start this journey it's not just right you're a coach and we'll see you in 10 years when they're under 18s it's uh, a constant development and progression so you'll start with your ICGG introduction to coaching Gaelic games and then after a couple of years if you've if your team has grown and you're, you feel like you're at a standstill there's the award one where and then award two and stuff and they get progressively more challenging but you you will be progressively more experienced so you'll be able to deal with that good stuff so yeah plenty of opportunities for people either um for kids obviously to join the uh Bowden Oak or else for um adults as well to to get their get their coaching experience and like just get involved I guess with the club more than anything else and again if you want to progress that as you keep going uh, you're, you can do that but if you don't if you just want to be involved in the team there's plenty of opportunities there for everybody listen Sean that was a brilliant chat thank you very much for joining us on the uh, Bowden Beat and best of luck with everything going forward thanks Mill thanks for having me again